How are you all? I want to thank you for being so faithful. I know it's not easy sometimes to plan out your evenings and come on Saturdays instead of Sunday morning. I understand it. We're doing everything within our power to try to make this happen and so that we can start having services both on Saturday evening and then Sunday mornings as well. And so I can only say I thank you. And I can, I can along with the staff, just want to praise you for just being so faithful and coming and being a part of what we're, we're doing. I want to... Um, I want to get into this book as, as much as I think you want me to, and that is the book of Romans. Would you please, would you please, turn with me to the first chapter. We talked about Paul last week. We just kind of gave it a kind of a brief introduction, if you would. We, um, we mentioned that he was a, a bond servant. We talked about that. We talked about being a bond servant of our Lord. We talked that he was called. Called as an apostle, and he was set apart, we are told, for the gospel of God. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something to you that's going to shock you and me in a sense of, of what Paul is mentioning here. I'm going to say this at the end of the message, but I want to say it to you now. I want you to look with me at verse 6. Among whom... Paul writes, you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we look at, um, at what is being preached by us, by someone as magnificent, as, as, as so special as Paul. And we have a tendency to think that's, that's him, that, that's, that's Paul. Of course it's Paul. He, he was... Amazing, absolutely, utterly amazing. There's no way I can be like Paul. But the fact of the matter is, among whom you also are called. I'm thinking about something that's irrelevant. Really, it's not. It, but you, you really might get a smile before we start the service. It's kind of, kind of okay. I was a kid when I was younger. I had the privilege of standing alongside of him, playing baseball alongside of some wonderful, great men. <clears throat> we went to uh, play a spring training game in, against, uh, at that time, Milwaukee Braves. Henry Aaron was just amazing. To watch him hit the baseball was absolutely amazing. So we were all out on the field, and they were having batting practice, and the last five minutes of their batting practice was all taken up by Henry Aaron. He was hitting and he was hitting balls over the fence, over against the fence. He was hitting line drives, just, just smoking the ball everywhere for five minutes. And a bunch of us kind of sauntered up to the batting cage because we had to hit next. We just got a chance to look at that up close and personal. And when I tell you about Paul, I understand. I understand what it means to stand along somebody so out of the ordinary that you cannot possibly live up to that standard. After watching him take all that batting practice, uh, normally in spring trainings what they do is they'd ring a buzzer and then it means all the, the visiting, the home team would get off the field and all the visiting team could then go on the field and do what we're going to do, our batting practice, our infield, and all the stuff that we do. And Normally, I was a rookie at that time, and normally I never got to hit right away. I got to just hit the scraps. That particular day, nobody wanted to get into the batting cage next. 
Lee Walls, who was the head of the Scabinis, all of us guys that didn't play much, said, well, get in there, Rook. I said, you, you get in there. <laughs> no, get in there. I got in. I, I, I got five, usually, pitches to hit, and then I'd, I'd bunt one and hit five. I didn't get one of them out of the cage, not one. I popped it up, hit it on the ground, almost hit my toe once. All the reporters were standing around watching Henry Aaron hit. You could hear them walking away in disgust as I started to hit. I know what it means to stand up alongside of someone that is so beyond anything that you think you can do and, and think, wow, that's for, that's for that person. It's not for me. The difference between that incident in the batting cage and right now is you and I have the Holy Spirit of God reigning, living within us, who will guide us, who will strengthen us, empower us, who will allow us to be everything that He has called us to be. You and I have been called by God. It's one of the greatest privileges you will ever read in Scripture is verse 6 of Romans chapter 1. After we read Romans chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, a bondservant, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, among whom you also have been called. Father, as we go into this great book and we start to study these magnificent words by this wonderful, wonderful writer that you chose who stepped up to the plate, so to speak, Father, and became, became a man amongst men here on this earth. Father, through his writings, we, we learn so much about you. It is such a privilege, Father, to be able to even, even, even imagine, I can only imagine that our lives can be full of your grace, full of your power, full of all the things that you have for each of us individually in this room. And so, Father, as we just sang beautifully through Anthony, I can only imagine... Father, when we take our imagination and we make it, Father, all that you would want it to be, may we, may we have the wonders of, of your grace and power and just flowing through our veins. I pray, Father, that you would move me aside of this message so that I do not take away from anything that wonderfully, this wonderful man Paul wrote under the inspiration of you, the very Spirit of God that we might be able to understand and glean why he is writing these words so magnificently to us and that we as a people will catch the wonderful promises that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please bless us, Father. And if it be your will, Father, may we also be a blessing to someone in return this day. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Paul said last week three things 
in verse 1. Just three things, but magnificent things. He said he was a bondservant. Now, he was called and also set apart. Now, we learned through the word called in, in, Hebrew, in, in Greek was, was setting the tone immediately for this whole premise that he is going to lay out before us. And, and what he was saying is called, meaning it was not my decision, it was God's decision. But the one thing that Paul could do is the very thing that you and I can do. And that is set ourselves apart as bond servants. Someone who willfully gives of themselves to serve the Lord our God in and through our lives. The biblical understanding of the, the word servant is doulos. That means a servant who is owned by uh, K-Y-R-I-O-S. Kyrios, I believe. A lord and a master. A doulos, a servant, a bondservant owned by a kurios, a lord and master. The New Testament uses this type of imagery talking about you and me as servants, bondservants, doulos. It portrays the relationship that you and I have between our Lord and ourselves, each of us individually. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Listen to what he says. Do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Then he says, watch this. In verse 19 at the end. And that you are not your own. Hear that? You have within your body a setting, a temple, if you would, for the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You, it says in verse 20, have been bought with a price. You know what the price is, don't you? Don't you? It was our, our Lord who gave of his life so that you might have everlasting life. You have been bought with a magnificent price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. A true Christian is someone who, who understands that he belongs to Jesus Christ, knowing that he is our Lord and our Master, our Kyrios, and we are his bought bond servants, doulos. If you remember... Last week I said, in verse 1, Paul said that he was called and set apart. If you remember, I noted one word in particular. He was set apart for, for the gospel of God. Not set apart from things. And I tried to explain that to you, and I, I wanted to share it a little bit more deeply so that maybe you can understand. Paul set his heart on the things above. Paul set his heart on the very imagery of Christ Jesus, his Lord, not the things of this earth. He forgot about those things. Those things that he used to be, he forgot about. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Listen, listen to Paul's words. It's magnificent. Brethren, he says... Fellow believers, he says, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. 
But one thing I do. Watch now. I forget. I forget what lies behind. And I reach forward to what lies ahead. Talking about his eternal life. His, his existence with Jesus Christ. He says in verse 14, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So he says, folks, he says, I live for my Savior. I stop thinking about the things that I have been from. Those things I'm forgetting. I'm pressing on towards Christ. And so, as Paul says, he was called and set apart for, not from. It might help you. It might help you to think through those thoughts when you kind of struggle through and wrestle with different sin areas that bother you, that, that, that torment you, if you would. Set your mind and your heart on Christ. Forget about those things that lay behind. Paul teaches that apart from Jesus Christ, you and I have really no hope. We are bonded to sin. Yet, he says, with Christ, we're free. That's why he presses on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to what, what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to what Paul says. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, he says, there is liberty or freedom. And so he sets his mind. He looks forward to the things that lie before him concerning his Savior, Jesus Christ, rather than trying to move away from those things he used to do. He forgets about those presses on towards Christ. Now, how can you and I, as a believer in Jesus Christ, be in bondage to sin, a slave to our own evil impulses, and yet be free, have liberty in Christ? Paul learned this, and by the grace of an almighty God, I want to teach it to you and to me. I want us to understand all of these wonderful, magnificent lessons we're going to learn in the book of Romans. Paul says, we will learn, you and I will only be truly free. We will only be truly have liberty in this life on this earth when we become enslaved to Jesus Christ. That is our only hope. Because without Christ, we're slaves to sin. And so that's why Paul says, I forget what lies behind. I press on towards the goal of my upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. That's my motive. That's my mindset. Let's read, if we haven't read, verses 1 through 7. And then we'll even pray again. No problem with that. Verse 1. Let me, let me tell you, there's so many, well, forgive me. I, I'm, I'm like a horse that's in a, in, a, in a thing that the gates haven't been opened yet, and I'm bumping my head against the gate. I, I want out. 
I want to run with you on these, these passages. Paul, he says, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are beloved of Rome, of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Father, we come to you in prayer. Again, Father, we, we sense the very essence of, of your presence in our midst. I want to thank you for Anthony over and over and over and over and over again. What a wonderful job he does. And I thank you for that song. We, the last one we sang just happens to be one of my favorites. I can only imagine. And so, Father, we, we read your words and we marvel. And we, we ask that you would lead us and teach us and guide us. And so I, I ask humbly, Father, that you would move me out of the way, that, that you would just move me away from anything that might hinder what you want to say to any single person here in their own heart of hearts. May we hear you. May we listen to you. And may, Father God, we be obedient to what we hear. I pray you would care for us, Father, during this next half hour. I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, Paul's going to tell us why you and I have, can very confidently, let me say it that way, he's going to teach us why you and I can very confidently come to this one that we are learning about called Jesus Christ. Now, we saw him, forgive me for going back, to the book of Revelation, we saw him in all of his majesty. We saw him as King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Paul is going to show him, bringing him out of the shadows of the Old Testament so that they, the people in Rome, the Gentiles, those who lived in Rome, will be able to get a glimpse of this one that they have been hearing about, this one called Jesus. And so for, first Paul shows them in verse 2, that he is the revealed Savior. You might mark that. Revealed Savior by verse 2. He was the one who was, note, promised beforehand. He was promised beforehand, Paul wrote, through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. In other words, in God's Word. Those who wrote beforehand promised there was going to be someone who was going to come who is the revealed Savior. You see, the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus Christ, was presented a long time ago within God's Word. Its roots ran deep into the Old Testament, but it reaches its climax as, as it came out here through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book now of Romans, the epistle, this letter written to the people in Rome. Paul's job, if you will is to take 
the Old Testament hidden things of Christ, the Messiah, and present them to the folks who are now in what is going to be called the church age, us. He's going to bring Christ to the light of the New Testament. Paul's ministry was to show the Gentiles Jesus Christ through the cross, through the church, and through his second coming, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Easter, if you will. And Paul magnificently does so. In these letters that we are written, he displays and he opens up to the people mysteries out of the Old Testament that come to light in Paul's New Testament writing. There's more quotations out of the Old Testament in the book of Romans than almost any other book in the New Testament. Paul brings to light those things of the Old Testament to the New. And so Paul, first and foremost, in, in this letter to the, book of, to the people in Rome, lets them know in verse 2 that these things were written and promised beforehand, long ago. They were written and promised through God's prophets in and through the Holy Scriptures. These, these books that you and I are privileged to hold now. And Paul will bring Jesus Christ out of the Old Testament shadows into the New Testament light. He will show him as the person, as the revealed one, the one that was promised long ago to come. The Messiah is on the earth. It was Jesus. Next he shows in verse 3, not the revealed one. Now he's going to show us the reigning one. The reigning Savior. Note, verse 3, concerning His Son. Here he's, he says, it was promised beforehand. It was promised by the prophets of God in the Holy Scriptures. And it was concerning His Son, it says in verse 3, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. See something very interesting in the New Testament. The New Testament, of course, begins with the book of Matthew and ends, of course, with the book of Revelation. Both showing Jesus Christ coming through the direct line of David, King David. Came first, well, he came as a Messiah, came as the King of Kings, who was promised, as it says in verse 3, according to the flesh of David. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, first verse in Matthew, we see the the record and genealogy of Jesus Christ. It says, the record and genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then in the old, and then at the end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, the 22nd, last chapter, the 16th verse, Jesus states of himself, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am, he says, the root. I am, he says, the offspring of David, the bright morning star. You see, he is the reigning one. He was the one who was promised in the Old Testament, who has now come to light in the New Testament, in the flesh, through the line of David, so that you will not miss him. 
And Paul states that Jesus is, has been given the right to reign as King and as Lord, as the Messiah, because he is the descendant of David. He was born according to the flesh. So we see Jesus is called by Paul in verse 2, the revealed one. He was promised long ago. Here he is, folks. And in verse 3, he is not only the revealed one, he is also the reigning one, the one that we learned about throughout the book of Revelation. But in verse 4, <laughs> verse 4, he is declared by God, the Holy Spirit, as the resurrected one. Look at verse 4, who is declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to, not according this time to the flesh, as we saw in verse 3, but now according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to know something. Jesus Christ our Lord. Some, some may wish to deny our Lord's position as king. Okay, if they dare, it, it's okay because he did not come the first time to this earth. When they saw him or read about him in the book of Romans, he, he did not come to the earth to reign the first time. No, he came to die. He was a servant of servants and died for our sin. And so if someone to say, well, I'm not sure he's king, okay, if you dare to say that, but you'll never be able to deny that he is the Lord, the Lord of lords. One of my favorite places, I bet it's yours too, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Paul again writes, At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow. Those who are in heaven, those who are on the earth, and those who are under the earth. Doesn't matter. Every knee at the name of Jesus is going to bow. And every tongue, he says in verse 11, is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Maybe some will not see him as king. Maybe not now. But they will not be allowed to deny him as Lord. Not eternally, no. One day every single person that ever walked the planet earth is going to bow to the fact that Jesus Christ is both King and Lord. God will make sure of that. Every knee is going to bow. The sad truth is this. The sad truth is this. For some people, it's going to be too little, too late. If you're investigating about our Savior Jesus Christ, please don't put off the inevitable. Don't put off coming to Christ. Paul shows in verse 4 Jesus Christ as the resurrected one. This is, um, this is very, very powerful. He was declared the Son of God with power. His power came through the resurrection from the dead according to the, the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so 
in verses 2, 3, and 4, you might want to make a note because it's, it's really powerful. We see Jesus Christ as the revealed one coming out. Paul is explaining him out of the Old Testament, bringing him to the light to the New Testament. We see him not only as the revealed one, but in verse 3 we see him as the reigning one. And in verse 4 we see him now as the resurrected one. You see what Paul's doing? He's coming here to Rome. He, he's not been there yet. Now he's introducing himself, but more importantly, note who he's introducing to them. He's introducing to these people Jesus Christ. The revealed one, the reigning one, and the resurrected one. By the way, the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not make him Lord and God. No, that only revealed, only revealed who he is for everyone to see. He was the one who raised himself from the dead just as he promised. How can anyone deny him? I don't know. Furthermore, the, the statement, spirit of holiness, really an amazing statement because it says indeed his life was perfectly holy. Talking of Jesus. Never a look with lust. Never a word of untruth. Never an impure thought. Never out of the will of God, thy will be done, not mine. Never need to apologize for anything he did, nor anything he said. He was of the spirit of holiness. He was perfectly holy. Let me back it up. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 and 27. Verse 26, talking of Jesus Christ, it was fitting for us to have such a high priest. Talking about Jesus. Holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens. It's fitting that he would be our, our high priest. He didn't need, it says in verse 27, like those other high priests, to offer up sacrifices for himself, for his own sins. Why? Well, because he didn't have any sin. He was without sin. He offered up his sacrifice for the sins of the people, you and me. He did this once and for all when he offered up himself. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was all man and he was all God when he was born in Bethlehem till he went to Calvary, he was, in verse 4, declared the Son of God with power. And how? By the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything, folks. It proves everything concerning our Lord. You see, the resurrection verifies his claim as the Son of God. He is the one who has conquered death. But wait, just Hold on to your seat right here. The Greek language tells us so much more concerning these words by the resurrection from the dead. It literally means the resurrection of those who are dead. Reliable Bible commentators understand Paul to mean that through Jesus Christ, the resurrection age is, has just burst upon the scene in the New Testament times. The one who believes upon Christ the Son of God has passed from death to life. Listen to what Jesus said. Makes more sense now. Watch. In John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, he says, I say to you, 
the one who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has, right now has, eternal life. He does not come into judgment, or she does not come into judgment, but has, right now has, passed out of death into life. John chapter 5 verse 24 might make more sense to you now. You see, we understand to mean what he did when Paul introduced him as the one who was resurrected from the dead, meaning that, that he is resurrecting those who were dead, are dead, you and me. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead has resurrected every single one of us who have trusted in him as our Lord and Savior from death and the grips of hell. I mean, excuse me, of sin, grips of sin and hell. What did Paul write? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. He says, when you were dead in your transgressions, he made you alive together with Christ. He raised you up with him and seated you with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means now, right now. It's as if it's already happened. We're already there. We just don't know it. We're already with him. We just don't know it. Final blow for death. In, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul again. Paul wrote so much of the New Testament, you know. In the 15th chapter, verses 19 to 26, he ends by saying, Death is now abolished, Paul writes. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this event that Paul explains here in verse 4, the, the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the, ted, the dead, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the very exclamation point as to who he is. God, a very God. Without the resurrection, you know, I've said it over and over again. I've said it so many times, you know, and, and people might think I'm kidding, but when we celebrate Easter Sunday, that's just one out of many Sundays we celebrate a risen Savior. We believe and we celebrate Him every week here. He is our risen Savior. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We don't have to celebrate that wonderful statement on Easter Sunday. No, that's a, that's a truth to us every single moment of our lives. He is risen. And He has risen us with Him if we've trusted in Him indeed. Without Easter Sunday though, without that, that event... Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19, we of most people are to be pitied. I mean, really. If I'm just flapping my jaws here about all of this stuff that's written in here and, and none of it's the truth, really, what a pitiful thing. But the fact of the matter is, this is true stuff. Paul is saying, I want you to know this one. I want you to know this one who is revealed. I want you to know this one who reigns. I want you to know this one who has been resurrected from the dead. Because to know him as revealed, you'll know him as a man amongst men. To know him as a reigning one, you'll know him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And to know him as the resurrected one, you will know him as Lord, God, King, Savior, you name it. He conquered death. 
That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, Oh, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? It's gone. It's gone. As you turn back to Romans chapter 1, Paul says in verse 5 that he received grace, apostleship, and he wanted to he was he wanted to be obedient. I want you to note those three words. They're, they're wonderful words. Grace, God's unmerited favor, apostleship, meaning he was sent to tell people about a savior, and he was obedient to his faith. You see, obedience is very important to our Lord. Um, it's important to any of us that love him. It should be high on your on your list of being a person that wants to walk with Christ in obedience. I think you do. If you don't, man, you've got me fooled. Don't tell me differently. I just love you people. And it gets to verse 6, where amongst also you and I, we were called of Christ. Remember back in verse 1. Paul could do all of what he did because he was called. But look, you and I have been called too. You see, basically, that means there's no excuse for not being obedient. There's no excuse for not serving the Lord in some capacity. He has called you. Have you heard him? Or maybe you're just not listening. Or worse, worse, maybe you heard him. You just are saying no for the time being because you just don't have the time. You're maybe just saying no right now because you don't think you're smart enough, talented enough, wise enough. I don't know. You put it in there. Why are you, why are you putting off the inevitable? Why have you decided to listen to that call but put it off for now for a more convenient time? I, don't, I can't answer that. Only you can. But you and I have been called. If you've come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we have been called as saints. You see, and by the way, a saint isn't someone who has been exalted. No, no. A saint is one who exalts Jesus Christ. That's that's a good one, wasn't it? I wasn't mine. I got that out of a commentary. I wished I would have. I wished I said I would have done that. I would have told you the truth, but the truth is I didn't. That wasn't mine. I liked it, though. Someone who is a saint is not someone who has been exalted. That's God's privilege. We are just people who must exalt our Savior. That's what we do. That's our job as saints. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been, I have been, we have been set apart for the gospel. We've been set apart for what? I don't know. I don't know where you go during the day. I don't know what you do. I know the people that I come in contact with. I know who I'm trying to impact for the the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know who I'm trying to talk to. Who are you? What are you set apart to do with your lives? You know, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, I love him so much, says, I've said this too many times now. It's getting to be almost a, a standard for me to say it. I almost put it, I put it in italics so I didn't have to say it, but I'm going to. 
Dr. J. Vernon McGee says there's only two people in this world, really. There are just saints or you ain't. I love him for that. I, I do. I love him. He's smarter, he's smarter than everybody in this room, and that's what he says for his staple. You're either a saint or you ain't. I like that. If you are a saint, though, if you've heard that call, and you came through the one, Jesus Christ, who has been revealed as a man amongst men, You've come through Jesus Christ who reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. You've come through the one who has been resurrected by the power from the dead as Lord and God. And he wants to, he wants to use you and me. I'm not sure where he does for you. I have a pretty good indication, a pretty good idea where he wants to use me. It gets back to that word obedience, doesn't it? Are you willing to listen to him? And are you willing to follow him? You know, that's what he said to everyone that, that he, he introduced himself to. He and ultimately said to them, what? Follow me. Follow me, he said. Follow me. Set your eyes on him. Forget about those things in the past. They're gone. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Father in heaven above, we, um, we are blessed beyond measure to be able to study your word and to now glean from what Paul taught way back in Rome, way back then. We can learn about it today we can see that Paul wanted to reveal Jesus Christ so that these people would not fall in love with Paul, but would fall in love with Jesus Christ. We do the same thing here at this church. We want people to fall in love, Father, with your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's everything to us. And so, Father, I pray that you will bless us mightily, as we patiently wait, Father, for what you have for us down the road, would you be tender with us, please, if that be your will? If not, so be it. Now, Father, we want to thank you for everything that you do. We pray that you'll bless us, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I love you folks more than you know.